It's time for John Paul, the car doctor, on North Shore 1049. Call today with your car questions, comments, or concerns. 1-800-370-1049. That's 1-800-370-1049. John Paul, the car doctor. Well, good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on North Shore 1049. My name's John Paul, the car doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. Hopefully it's nice wherever you are or going to get nice. Fourth of July, yeah, it's Fourth of July. Can you imagine that the summer's gone by already? And, and our producer, Jimmy Carter, said to me, you know, it's 4th of July, it's America, you should talk about American cars. And when I think about people who know about American cars, one of the people that I always think about is John Zangari. John Zangari is part of drive Through Radio down in Rhode Island, and he's a car guy. He's had a bunch of American cars, a couple foreign ones in between, and, and currently he, he has a... A small fleet of Priuses, I think, but but still, when it comes down to traditional American cars, when I when I have an American car question, I think about you know good old fashioned American eye, and I think of John Zangari. So, John, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Oh, thank you. I I feel like a piece of iron. Do you feel like a piece of iron? Well, you know, iron has value these days. You know, so it, it does. Yeah, Pay yeah, a pound, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but you know, you think about. American cars, and first, first off, it's hard to say today what's an American car. Is it a, you know, is it a uh, Toyota Camry? So, uh, you know, which is made in America, and you know, my my Hyundai Santa Fe was made in, I think, Georgia or someplace. So, but I want to talk about traditional American cars when. American cars were American cars, you know, things things like, I know, uh, you know, your brother has a soft spot for Pontiacs and Oldsmobiles and... It's and something that's out of business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, it, there was a time when American cars were sort of big and bold and, you know, fuel economy didn't really matter that much. You know, our friend John Lawler has a... Uh, has almost a little fleet of American Cadillacs. I think he has a Cadillac Seville and a Fleetwood and a big old Eldorado that was in the Godfather movie. And when you think about those cars with, you know, 58 Cadillac, that, that to me seemed like an American car. Oh, it certainly was. But, you know, you mentioned the Camry. Now, when I drive down the street and I see a Camry or two in somebody's driveway... I think back when I was a kid and really starting to get interested in cars, and we used to see, you know, a Chevy Impala or it, it or its sister car, the Biscayne or Bel Air in the driveway or one of each, you know. And, and I guess you could say that Camry really hadn't replaced that car. Hmm. You know, yeah. that that's kind of what I'm seeing, you know, that thing. Now, of course... American cars, and we can go to the, you know, the Impala, Biscayne, and uh, Bel Air, and and think about what those were all about and what they meant to the people and everything back then. Yeah, I mean, I was I was talking to someone just earlier, and they said they remember going on a cross country trip with their father, him and his three brothers, in a Ford Country Squire station wagon, and 
You know, when you think again, when you think of American cars, something like a country squire wagon, complete with the fake wood grain on the side, and maybe the maybe the third row seat that sat backwards, so you could look out the back window. Um, you know, again, sort of reminds you of you know that was an American car. Well, where you mention that, you, you got to throw in the uh, one with the uh, the seats that faced in in the be- way. Oh back. yeah, sure. So yeah, you had a ten passenger car, three across in the front, three across in the middle, and four in the back, and you, you could sit there and play cards for kids in the back. I don't think adults would uh, stand for a, a half an hour's worth of ride by, back there. But the first and second row was just a great spot because there was plenty of room. Yeah, I, I saw I saw I, I was I was flipping through the TV channels the other day and um, guy who was uh, I I don't I don't know if the program was old or new actually, but he was one of the people was that was on the American version of Top Gear Rutledge Wood and uh, that's his name of the car. Uh, that was that's his name Rutledge Wood, but. He he likes station wagons, and he bought a uh, a big old uh, Chevy Impala wagon, and of course he put some bigger wheels and tires on it, kind of redid the engine, kind of and lowered it just a little bit to make it cool. But he, you know, he, he when he was looking for a car, and you know, sort of the pretend of TV, he pulled up in front of the supermarket to pick up his wife, and his wife like. He looked at it and said, "What the heck is this thing?" And she and he said, "You know, we we wanted a new station wagon. You wanted something new, and this was I I, I think it was I think it was probably a uh, I don't know I don't remember now whether it was a late seventies or 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 maybe even earlier uh, full size full size wagon. And you know, I kind of look at those wagons and and I'm a little partial to those because my father was a was a plumbing salesman. And okay. uh, when and when he became a salesman in the '60s, I remember the Rambler wagon he had, and then he went from Ramblers to I think he had a little Chevy Nova wagon, and then he went to you know all of the various variations of the GM ones, whether it was a whether it was a Bel Air wagon or a Brookside or Brookwood or something, something. They, with, had, they had at least one of those. Yeah, familiar. yeah. And then, yep. and then he had the, uh, then he had the one that had the, and it's kind of almost come back now. The dual swing tailgate, which we're seeing in some other vehicles now, that either folds down or or opens off to the side hinge, and then probably. Yeah, yeah, and then there was probably the most memorable one, a full-size Chevy wagon, and it had the clamshell tailgate. So the the gate it's dropped. In, yeah, the gate dropped into the floor, and the window went up into the roof, and uh, it looked pretty cool. But it was pretty impractical when you wanted to. The old tailgate was kind of nice. You could put the tailgate down and sit on it, and it kind of eliminated the ability to do that. But well, you couldn't tailgate. Anymore. You couldn't tailgate anymore, exactly. But but I've but because those were the cars that you know that was the car I got. You know, one of those cars was a car I got my had to go do my road test in. So you know, nothing oh, nothing uh, like going to go do a road test with a twenty foot long the Queen you know, Mary. The Queen Mary, exactly. <laughs> doing doing that parallel parking and three point turn was a little bit more more of a uh, a challenge. But you guys, both you and your brother have had some. 
Well, Again, sort of the American cars, you you know, and we still say American cars, you know, Ford, GM, and, and Chrysler, and yeah. it's almost hard to, you know, keep track of who's, who's Chrysler. But you guys have had Who some... Who's Chrysler? Yeah, well, yeah. One of the things i got to throw in here, one of the things about American cars when they were American cars, you had variety. I remember a sales brochure that I had. I believe it was a Chrysler sales brochure. Maybe it was a Dodge or one of the other two of the big three. But... It, you had variety. I remember all the roof line and door configurations. It was into the 20s when you had post, no post. Two-door, four-door with post, no post. Then you had station wagon. Then you had convertible. Then you had this style roof line. Then you had that style roof line. Take the post out, put it in. You know, it yep. was crazy. No, and, and you're right. The, uh, I, I remember the uh, the 63 uh, Impala, for instance, you could get that as a convertible. You could get it with a post. You could get it with a hardtop convertible-looking type thing. It looked yeah, like a yeah. convertible, but it wasn't. Uh, right. But it had that. It had. It looked like the bow of the convertible top in it. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, and it was. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I had a. I had a '57 Chevy at one point in my life. It was. It was a hardtop. Uh, uh, but somebody said to me, well, you know, that's not the one to get. The one to get is the post car because the post car is actually lighter than the hardtop car. And I'm like, well, how can it be lighter? It's, yeah. Mine doesn't have a post. And they said, yeah, they had to put more metal in somewhere to make up for the body shaking. So, Well, the so, thing that really confused me is how come when you had a cloth top, the car weighed more? Well, yeah. Yeah, there was, <laughs> there was always that. But, yeah, I, and, those, and those were the cars that, y you know, you think about, you know, are they big, boaty, heavy cars? But also, the engines yeah, <laughs> were yeah, yeah. The engines were also more than capable. Even though you look back today at some of those engines that maybe only put out two hundred horsepower or two hundred and fifty horsepower, uh, but they were big V eight engines that didn't work very hard. And you know, you look at you look back today and you go well did they last as long no they didn't i remember i remember being a 16 year old kid and uh where i grew up there was a little bit of a cruise night every night and i remember pulling into a parking lot of an old department store and there was a i still remember it was a it was a pontiac catalina and the hood was open and there was a mm -hmm. bunch of there was a bunch of old guys standing around uh looking at the engine and by old they were probably 30 you know, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I was sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I was I was sixteen, and I'm looking at the car. Yeah, I know exactly. But I was looking at the car, and I'm like, what What's going on? And they said, Can you believe this thing? It's got seventy eight thousand miles on it, and the valve covers have never been off. No, and, I can't believe it. And <laughs> now, yeah, but now you have cars that have. You know, two hundred. You all. First off, you have. I I went by a used car lot the other day, and it and it, there was a. I, I think it was a, a Ford Transit van for sale or something, and it said low miles ninety one thousand. <laughs> and, I gotta go. I gotta go back to that seventy eight thousand miles with the valve covers never been off. They must have been leaking like crazy though. Oh uh, well, they were leaking a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I I mean I remember the first. First uh, first car I ever had, I it was a it was it was a real gem. It was a Chevy. It was a it was a Rambler, and it Ooh. needed some work. And 
you know, we would, we would, you know, my father was just a working guy, but he had a friend that owned this little repair shop. And come to find out, the car needed a valve job. That's why it wasn't running that well. And I, and I think, you know, I think as things go, my fifty dollar investment wasn't such a good investment. Mm-hmm. But he said to me, you know, go down, go down and see Sid. That was the guy who owned the shop. And bring your car down there and see what he says. So he says to me, you know, well, you're going to need to do a valve job. Come back and come back and we'll show you how to do it. So I, I hung around at the shop a little bit. And and I said, so what can you tell me? He says, well, you know, it's not that unusual. And this was a little straight six and a rambler. He said to do, you know, to do a, a, a valve job at 30000 and, you know, maybe put a set of rings in it at or 80 and 90000 It's pretty pretty mm-hmm. typical. Yeah. and. Yeah. Now, now, you know, you, you yeah. talk to people and they're they're going way longer than that. But and when it's time to do the kind of work to the car, they think about just junking it. <laughs> but I, I remember way back in in high school in the auto shop class, my teacher Joe Saws said, you know, cars used to get engine rebuilds or overhauls around forty thousand miles. Yeah, he had worked in a in a machine shop, automotive machine shop as well as being a mechanic and and he said that the thing that changed that boosted it up to at least 60,000 it was the automatic choke yeah yeah cuz i'm sure people are over choking the air engines diluting the oil forgetting and, it was on yeah forgetting it was on yeah ex- exactly that's a good point i never really thought about that yeah. but that that's a really good point and i and i suppose for that same reason that fuel injected cars, because of such precise fuel metering, does help extend the engine life. Well, another thing that extended it before we got to fuel injection to be the normal was unleaded gasoline. Yeah. When you had that, uh, you know, rinse or wash out through by the rings and that with gasoline, the leaded gasoline did affect the motor oil and it did help wear out everything even though it was there to help out the valves it, it didn't do any help to anything else and so when that stuff went away then things started lasting even longer and of course around the same time you were looking at everybody having electronic fuel injection so uh your timing didn't change as the points wore out right and then, of course, the fuel injection, oh, that made a big difference. Yeah, it did. It really did. And I, I remember, it wasn't that many years ago, I was into a shop, and you, know, you just reminded me of it, and somebody came in with a, I think it was a 1970-something or other, um, Malibu or something, and Chevelle, and nobody in the shop knew how to put a set of points in. <laughs> yes. Uh, they knew God, they they funny, knew what huh? they they knew what they were, but they didn't They've know. Heard of them. They, and and uh, and then nobody had nobody had a dwell meter because nobody nobody has any use for it for anything. So I said, "Well, do you have a feeler gauge?" And you know, there was somebody who was able to drag out an old feeler gauge, and I said, "You know, we can we can at least you know we can get pretty close." And uh, you know, put the new set of points in, and and they were all good to go afterwards. But but it is it is kind of interesting. You know, when you look back, it's maybe some of the things you've owned, or your you know your your dad owned, or something. Is is there some kind of American car that sort of made you go, you know, I, I really I really like these. Well, uh, yeah, kind of, and and of course it came up last week because 
Last week we had the Dodge Durango, and it had the 392 Hemi in it. And of course, I owned a 57 Imperial with a 392 Hemi in it, and it was this big, fat luxury car, you know, like yep. 19 and a half feet long. Uh, officially sat three across, but you could put four because uh, it was so damn wide, and and it was uh, had this monster engine in it, 392 Hemi with 325 horsepower and back in 57 when that car came out that was a lot of horsepower and and this car had all the options i love these big boats yeah uh, whether they're imperials or cadillacs or lincolns you know and then of course lincoln had the suicide doors which made you know men what like 58 yeah 61 or 61 or yeah. something like that yep. and and th- th- there's something special about that car no post well, it had a half post, yep. really, yep. Uh, and it had the suicide doors. And then you see one of those, you got to take a look at it and say, "Jesus, these these are nice in retrospect." I don't know how good of a car they were, you know, like they they twist themselves out of shape or what. I don't, I don't know. I guess you had to have one or know somebody who did it. Complain about that suicide door setup, but you know, it, it's neat to look at. Yeah, it it really is, and and you you know, there's somebody I know who's got a Ford Skyliner, the the uh, the hardtop roof that fits into the trunk of the car, and you look at the amount of engineering that went into that at the time. That was some pretty intricate engineering to get that trunk lid to open up backwards and the and the roof to to fit down inside of it and all those a little electric motors pre-computers that actually got all that stuff to work um but they, they were they were pretty fascinating cars well what the the car itself was not an exact copy of the uh, you know two-door yeah. hard top yeah. it it had a, the trunk had to be made bigger the passenger compartment had to be made smaller and then you know the roof that folded in the front and detached and everything was all done by this one finger button and i have heard that there was 87 relays in there that would that wouldn't surprise me the other and then they moved it down and this motor went and then that motor and there was of course this little space in the middle where you could put your luggage that's right and and you think about you think about how complicated that is even even just look at the sequential turn signal lights that were in some of the T-Birds and the Mustangs, yep. and that there was a whole series of, it looked like a player piano roll inside there that, that things turned and clicked to get those lights to to, to sequentially fl- flash left to right. Really? Because I never, I never did look at the setup of one of those. I've only seen them as I was sitting behind one at a light or yep. going down the highway. I never did look at to see how they would done up but if they're going to do things like that i guess if you you needed somebody to fix one of those you'd have to get yourself an old pinball machine yeah somebody who fixed pinball machines or clocks or something like that and but although i will say that if you're not a hundred percent accurate on you know restoration there's now there's a digital replacement module you can unplug everything and plug in a little digital board that does all that work really? for you without all the relays and switches and everything? Um, yeah, yeah. You still I, need the electric motor. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody said to me one day, if you could buy an American car, a big old American car, what would it be? And I said, well, I'd want something that was that was modern enough 
to be good and drivable, but old enough to be kind of cool. And I always sort of liked the the sixty four to sixty six T Bird convertibles. I just like those cars. Is there one that you like? Four to sixty. Yeah, that would be the Square Bird. Right? Yeah, no, not the well. The the I, yeah, maybe it was. I I when I think a Square Bird, I think more like the fifty eight, fifty nine. That no, that, that's the yeah, Big Bird. That's a Big Bird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So okay, we'll call it the Square Bird. Yeah. There's but baby bird, big bird, uh, banana bird, square bird. Okay, maybe it's a square bird. It's one of those. But anyway, it's one of those cars. Sixty three, four, five, six, somewhere in there. I just always like those cars. I like it with you know with the three ninety in it and automatic transmission and a convertible top and you know get it all in black and it just looks it looks pretty good. Is there anything that jumps out if you if you had. Uh, if you had a reasonable amount of spare money in your pocket, is there an American car, like an old American car, that would make you happy to go get an ice cream in? Yeah, and, and I would say a 58 through 62 Corvette. Okay, good choice. Yeah, good I, choice. I think that would be nice. And, you know, with power brakes and power steering, hopefully get an L.A. car with air conditioning yep. or Florida. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know... That would be a good enough, a good enough to drive kind of thing. Because I owned a '26 Chrysler Imperial. I'll tell you, that was a project to drive that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, those those kind of old cars, and you know, whether it's that or you know, a Model T. You know, those those yeah, cars, those cars were not that much fun to drive. No, uh, my friend had a Model T, and I drove it for her, and uh, you know, it it was not an easy car to do because of. You know the the way the brakes were, yeah. with the way the gas, it was a lever, right? And and you know everything about the Model T was different than anything you've got yeah. today. Yeah, and, and it made it difficult to drive. You you know, yeah. it, it was. Yeah, yeah, those yeah those three pedals that do completely different things than three pedals today. Hey, we right. gotta we gotta wrap up, but uh, but John, I want to thank you for joining us on the Car well, Doctor anytime. program today. It, w- it was fun, uh, uh, and uh, it's always always good to talk. Always good to talk about these old cars. I want to wish you and yours a uh, happy and safe Fourth of July. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening to North Shore 104.9. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. This is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. The Moynihan family has been associated with lumber business since 1918, when my uncle Arthur secured a job in a local lumberyard. The Moynihan name first appeared on a lumberyard sign in 1930. When his company first started, my uncle chose the motto, quality backed by a desire to please. 84 years later, it is still our company's motto. Visit Moynihan Lumber at any of our three locations, in North Reading, Beverly, or Plastown, New Hampshire, or at MoynihanLumber.com. The Century House Restaurant on Route 114 in Peabody is thrilled to be open inside. Century House will continue their fabulous tent for outside lunches and dinners daily at 11.30 a.m. Call ahead for seating at 978-531-1410. Come at lunchtime for a sandwich and beer or later for delicious dinner and cocktails, either inside or outside under the tent. Takeout is still available, too, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner starting at 7 a.m. Visit CenturyHousePBD.com. 
Hello, this is Francine DeWicke from the Law Offices of Spano and DeWicke. Are you looking to plan for your future while maintaining social distancing? Our firm offers video conferencing and other meeting options to bring you peace of mind from the comfort of your home. Please give us a call. The professionals at Spano and DeWicke will guide you through these challenging times. Call the experts at Spano and DeWicke today. 781-231-7800. 781-231-7800. Or visit them online at SpanoDeWicke.com. Hi, this is Scott Withy with Wicked Bites north of Boston. Please join us every single Sunday morning at 9 a.m. as we do our best to help the restaurants through this incredibly tough time. Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., North Shore 1049. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on North Shore 104.9. My name is John Paul. And with us on the phone is Kyle Brower. He is from Kelly Blue Book. You know, Kelly Blue Book, where you get your book values, find out information about your vehicle. All kinds of good information comes from Kelly Blue Book. Well, with all this COVID-19, should people be concerned about their car? Yeah, it's a concern a lot of people have, obviously. They really want to make sure their vehicle's clean inside. And they can pick up a lot of things when they're outside their vehicle walking around touching things. So the best idea is to wipe down the most common surfaces of the car with at least a 60% alcohol mix, isopropyl alcohol being a very good example. And if you can wipe down the steering wheel and the center console, maybe the shifter and the controls, door handles inside and out, and also the seatbelt. Lots of people forget that they grab that seatbelt every time they get in and out. If you do that on a really regular basis, certainly every time you're you're spending time outside the car and getting back in, you're going to greatly cut down uh, the possibility that you're carrying around uh, COVID-19 inside your vehicle. And uh, and the repair shops kind of feel the same way. They uh, uh, repair shops that I talk to they they have the same concerns both with customers dropping cars off and making sure that those cars are clean when they get returned back to the. Uh, to the uh, customer after being serviced. So it's um, it's kind of a two-way street. Uh, you want to protect the people that are working on the car, and they want to protect you, and they want to protect each other, I guess, right? Yeah, and it's become almost a standard procedure now with a lot of these businesses that are car-related is to just have these disinfectant capabilities on hand and to treat the car when it comes in and then treat the car again right before it goes back to the consumer. And thankfully, of course, all those services are open. Even uh, if some of the other businesses are closed in various states, the uh, car services were deemed essential. So if you have a, a check engine light come on or some other issue shows up with your car up, into, up to and including it just breaking down, you can get it repaired and worked on at dealerships and independent shops. And everybody knows Kelly Blue Book is uh, the place where you go to get... Uh, car pricing and uh, car values and all of that. Based on all the information you're seeing uh, with the pandemic, uh, is this still a good time to buy a car? If you're buying a new car specifically, the deals that are offered right now are kind of unprecedented. You know, I mean, up to seven years of 0% interest and oftentimes rolled in with a deferred first payment for anywhere from 30 to 90 days, which normally you hear that, and I'm always thinking to myself, yeah, and that's just time that your interest is building on your loan. Well, not if it's a 0% loan, which they're offering also. So there's really no downside to taking that deferred payment. And you can find these deals on a lot of different brands and a lot of different models. It's not like just, you know, one leftover model that they can't get rid of. They're pretty widespread throughout the industry. So 
if you're buying a new car, it's a very good time to do that. Yeah, and the price of new cars, I, I remember, I guess because I'm old enough to remember, uh, the luxury tax kicked in at about $33,000, but the typical transaction price now is up over 38000 right? It is. The transaction price just keeps growing. Uh, one of those reasons, of course, is because of the truck and SUV sales. They've become such a larger percentage of the total new car sales or new vehicle sales that that's pulled that price up. But you can still get non-truck and SUVs, basically cars, for much less than uh, that average transaction price. A lot of great models are available below $35,000. And what's interesting is we just saw the uh, transaction price data from the month of April. Not surprisingly, cars have gone up in sales, in volume, and SUVs and trucks dropped. And that hasn't happened for a while because obvious reasons people are looking more on the budget side of what they're buying they're buying lower priced vehicles this last month yeah and and i think that that was a little bit of a surprise at first when people were looking at the price of gasoline and saying oh gas prices have uh have dropped uh to levels we haven't seen in decades uh maybe it is a good time to go buy a fuel guzzling suv but the reality of it is they're not really actually fuel guzzling anymore either they're actually pretty economical in a lot of cases it's 100% true. I mean, the delta between a truck and a car 15 years ago in terms of fuel efficiency was pretty large. But now a lot of these SUVs, especially, they're basically cars, you know, car platforms with different bodies on top. And then the engine technology has pulled all of them up. So really, you're just getting a little more weight and a little more air resistance. It's causing the SUVs on these car platforms to get a little worse mileage, but not very much below. Yeah. What would you tell potential buyers right now if they are thinking about shopping, especially especially new car shopping? Uh, a couple weeks ago on my show, I had uh, actually two different two different car dealers, one a luxury car dealer and one kind of a more of a economy car dealer and they're both um they're both trying to work with customers right now but you know i think some people are still a little bit timid about you know is it a good time to buy and like you said this is probably one of the best times to buy yeah it's a good time to buy and what's really interesting is there's all these digital capabilities now that exist they've actually existed for a while truthfully but there wasn't a lot of embracing embracing of it because mm. I think dealers still like the traditional idea, come on the lot. But now you can do almost the entire transaction or maybe even the entire transaction from your home because dealers are working with consumers so they don't have to leave the house. They'll bring the car to your house for a free test drive, leave it there, you know, drop it off and wait while you take it for a drive and then get it back, get back in it and leave with it and clean it right before you get in it. Uh, and they'll also drop the car off at your house when the deal's done. And you can do most of the deal, including the paperwork signing online some dealerships have the ability with these docusign capabilities mm -hmm. and all to do all of it online so yeah if you wanted to buy a new car and you needed to buy a new car it's a good deal right now on a lot of them and you don't even have to put yourself at any kind of risk you can do pretty much the whole transaction without leaving your house yeah that, that's absolutely right one one of the dealers uh who advertises on the show said uh call us call us up we'll bring you a sanitized car We'll leave it for you overnight, drive it drive it for the day or so, and we'll pick it up the next day. And if you want to buy it, that's great. If you don't want to buy it, that's great. Uh, we'll make sure it gets cleaned up. Our person will show up, and it'll be 
pretty much uh, as contact-free as possible, which I think you're right. If you're somebody who needs to buy a car right now, uh, it's a it's a good way to do it, and your site uh, is a is a good way to do that research and find out if you're getting a good deal. Yeah, of course, Kelly. You know, it's been around almost 100 years. It's a very well known brand. We've got all the information on what you should pay for your new car, the transaction price based on your location and the exact vehicle and color and options. We'll tell you what the car you might be trading in is worth. And of course, we've got the ability to hook you up with all those dealers who will do these contactless deals that you just described. We can actually help you locate them with our uh, dealer home services section that will tell you where they are local to you. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, some of these some of these dealers now are kind of using you as a as a trade-in. They kind of say, well, you know, take some pictures of your car, look, you know, go on kbb.com and look at the trade-in value. And if you're interested in buying the car, we're we're honoring the KBB trade-in value. Exactly. Yeah, we've got a lot of dealers who work with us now, and essentially guarantees that KBB price, uh, so that you don't even have to negotiate. It's it's really made the whole process so much more streamlined and, and stress-free than it uh, ever used to be. Yeah. Now, with your site, you're able to look at a lot of different analytics. Uh, like you said, car sales are up, but is there a particular hot product, uh, car, SUV, truck, that um, that maybe is a surprise or maybe not? You know, uh, but even before this started in the last couple of months, we saw a lot of activity on a couple models, one of them being the uh, Kia Telluride. You know, that vehicle won a lot of mm-hmm. awards for 2020. Uh, it's considered a very good value in terms of what you pay and what you get. And uh, it was selling well before this started, and it still sells well. The transaction price was just up again, pulling up the whole brand of Kia, pulling up their average transaction price in April. So that's one specific hot one but we did see like you said cars you know the versa there's a new uh, nissan versa which is kind of the other end of the spectrum very mm. low price car its transaction price was up big time in, in april and it was showing a lot of activity because again it's very inexpensive and fuel efficient and i think there's a lot of people in today's world that's exactly what they're looking for yeah there is some financial insecurity out there right now and especially if people are looking for a car maybe they're not looking for the forty thousand dollar car but maybe they're looking for the sub twenty thousand dollar car which the which the versa falls into and the versus the versa is a pretty interesting car because it has all of uh nissan's latest um latest uh, safety technology in it so that kind of rounds out the car pretty nicely uh before I, before i let you go anything else we should know about uh trying to stay safe during this time or uh, uh using uh kbb to find out more information yeah you know they go to the kelly blue book homepage at kbb.com there's a nice big promotion right in the center of the screen there called coronavirus cars and you if they go in there, we've got over like 20 articles covering all the things you and I just spoke about and a lot more that we didn't even touch on. Mm. So people who are looking to learn more about what's going on with this current market and in these current circumstances, we've got it very well covered uh, top to bottom. Carl, always a pleasure, a pleasure talking with you and uh, learning a little bit more about how to stay safe in this weird time that we're in. Uh, I guess the... You know, everybody's calling the new normal, and I guess uh, that's the best way to describe it at this point. And hopefully we'll get back to the old normal pretty soon. I hope so. I'd, I'd, I'd really like the old normal if we could get back there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Kyle, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Great being on with you. Take care. We need to take another break. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We'll be right back. Boston Vets, Boston. 
Teresa's Italian Eatery in Middleton is thrilled to welcome you back inside their restaurant. Teresa's is now open for indoor and patio dining weekdays starting at 3 and Saturdays and Sundays from noon on. Reservations are highly recommended but not required. Hi, I'm Nick Gabba from Teresa's Hospitality Group, wishing everyone good health. Let us do the cooking. Enjoy our great Italian dishes, specialties, and pizza. We also have our family-sized trays and complete family dinners. All with easy call-ahead curbside pickup, or you may order online at DoorDash or Uber Eats for delivery. Call us at 978-646-1111 or visit us on the web, treesseseatery.com. Hey, Donnie, I want to get naughty this summer. Well, I think I can help you, Erica. How about a naughty lemonade? How about a naughty mule? How about all of the above? <laughs> See, all of the above. I'll take a nautical gin and tonic. And I will have the naughty mule. All right, I think that sounds pretty good to me. You can get nautical American gin at your local packy, as we say here in the Boston area, or at your favorite restaurant. Just look for the blue-green bottle with the flat back. Please discover responsibly. And Donnie, let's be gin. I have already begun. Nauticalgin.com for great recipes. The fourth is your time to show off your skills. Burgers, check. Hot dogs, check. Refrigerator? Well, before yours decides to check out and ruin your backyard barbecue, upgrade to a new one. Lowe's has you covered with appliances up to 40% off, like an LG InstaView side-by-side refrigerator for $12.99. With a generous amount of space, you'll have even more room to store your family's favorites and everything on your barbecue menu, too. This year, we're home for the fourth. Visit Lowe's and make it the best it can be. Valid through 7-8, U.S. only. And sponsored by Open Jar Concepts. Consult your physician prior to discontinuing use of any medication. Attention. This is an important message to anyone who has been diagnosed with cancer after prolonged use of Zantac or other heartburn medication. Recently, the FDA has warned that Zantac and other medications containing the heartburn drug ranitidine may be contaminated with cancer-causing agents. This announcement has been followed by drug companies recalling their generic ranitidine and Zantac products, while drugstores are pulling these products from their shelves. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications regularly, you may be entitled to significant compensation. Call 800-541-8165 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you're eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-541-8165 now. Again, 800-541-8165. That's 800-541-8165. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark Rosenthal. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Here is your North Shore 1049 forecast serving the North Shore of the Merrimack Valley. Today, a murky start then finally becoming partly sunny. It'll be warm and buggy. 70s at the beach, mid-80s inland. Overnight, mostly cloudy, patchy fog and buggy in the mid-60s. Tomorrow, partly sunny. It'll be hot and buggy in the mid-80s. Look for late-day showers and storms. Much of next week will feature real summer heat.
Weather forecast being brought to you by good friends at John J. Walsh Insurance Agency with locations in Salem and Rockport for all your home, auto, and business insurance needs. Offering competitive rates, so call for a quote, 978-745-3300. For local North Shore, 1049, I'm Doctor program on uh, FM one hundred four point nine or North Shore one hundred four point nine. You really love your car. Well, with us on the phone is Aaron Ahuvian. He is a professor of marketing at the University of Michigan, and he was involved uh, interpreting a study that Ford Motor Company did about how people really care about their cars. And up here in the Northeast, people name their cars. They are passionate about their cars. They don't want to give up their cars. And uh, Aaron, I think the survey shows pretty much the same thing, right? Oh, absolutely. So uh, just a, a quick technicality here. I didn't actually conduct the survey that was conducted by uh, Ford, but I am a marketing professor. I do this kind of research, and Ford has asked me to help sort of explain and interpret the study uh, for, for folks such as yourself. So back to the important point, yeah, Vehicles, uh, not just in the Northeast, but really uh, throughout, especially in America, um, people really do see them. Uh, let's say that people see pets as part of the family. They often see the car or truck as part of the family. And that connection is particularly strong uh, a lot of times with, with pickup trucks. Yeah, the the truck is one of those things that when people own trucks, and I have a neighbor who has a Ford F-150 truck, and it became the replacement for his car, and he does a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. and he finds that it has enough room for him and his wife in it and, and some extra room in the back seat if they need it, but it solves an awful lot of problems. So it's something that now that he has a F-150 pickup truck, he's never really going to go back to anything uh, smaller or more of an SUV style because it fits his needs so well. Is that part of what the information was that you found? Oh, yeah. Uh, trucks as a percentage of vehicle sales have been continuing increasing for the past you know, 20, 30 years. Um, and a lot of that is because they are you know, very versatile and very functional. Um, and they've really, it's it become a little bit more of a crossover vehicle. Um, what I sort of think of this is, you know, they're, they're all truck, but they're also part car, and then more recently, part office. So what I mean by the part car is that you've got that, you know, two rows of seats in a lot of trucks now. Um, the, the handling is a lot nicer. The drive feels much more like a, a nice car. Um, a lot of times they have a very fancy sound system, not just, you know, an AM radio it would be the classic sort of old beaten up truck, uh, stereotype, but you can have a really nice sound system in there. Um, and they can be very comfortable in that way. Uh, people also have all sorts of, uh, uh, electronics and internet access and other kinds of uh, functionality that they use for working out of the car, out of the truck. Um, And so it really does, it's like a Swiss army knife. I mean, it's got a lot of different parts. It does a lot of different things. (laughs) Yeah, it really, it, it really is because with today's, with today's vehicles and especially I think with, um, what everybody's sort of calling the new normal at this point, 
um, people people are getting so used to video calls and 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 working from home and to some extent working from their vehicle you, you know the future of this may even be more uh sort of car like features that we see i i remember years ago when i first started to review vehicles and i got in a uh, i got in a, a truck and i folded down the mirror and i folded down the sun visor and it had a vanity mirror and i was sort of Oh, look at that, a mirror. I didn't mm -hmm. was surprised to see such a thing when today we have, uh, like you said, heated and cooled seats and heated steering wheels and fantastic sound systems and large digital displays, infotainment displays that really make these trucks uh, so much more of a, a, a kind of an extension of, like you said, an extension of your home office at some point. Absolutely, and that's, you know, that's a big part of why people love them, and that actually gets to one of the weirder findings from some of my research, um, there's sort of a real natural, obvious way that if you think, well, if, if something is useful to you in a lot of different parts of your life, well, then it's more useful to you. You'll like it more, which is certainly true. But it's also true that when, when people think about loving objects, loving products, or, or their truck or car, what have you, just using it for more things creates this deeper kind of connection because it's not just a part of your life, but it's a part of lots of different aspects. So if you think of like, you know a couple people and maybe there's one person you see, you, know, you go bowling with this person, but you don't do other things. And somebody else you see at work, but you don't do other things. But somebody else who you like, you see at work and you socialize with them and maybe you're in a nonprofit with them. So they're, they, they touch your life in a bunch of different ways. That person you're gonna feel a lot closer to. And it's the same with uh, cars or trucks. If you use it at work, but then you also use it with your family, but you also use it when you're socializing, it creates a stronger sense of relationship, and people really end up loving the vehicle a lot more for that reason. Yeah, it, it, it really is true. And like you said, the way that uh, trucks are looked at today and the way that the appearance of the truck, like you said, an old kind of beat-up pickup truck from years back, uh, if you pulled into a fancy restaurant with an old truck, they would sort of wave you wave you away. And now you see some of some uh, of the uh, newest trucks parked right out front, where everybody can kind of yeah. take a look at them. So it really is a different impression of what these trucks are and how people utilize them. And it's not just um, you know I get as many positive comments from men as women when I'm driving a pickup truck. Absolutely, and it really. It is, no, nobody likes to admit this, um, because in America, we're taught that, you know, if you're a good person, you don't care what anybody else thinks about you, you're completely independent, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not reality. Everybody cares what other people think about them. That's really human nature. And one of the reasons people love certain products, uh, cars or trucks or, you know, whatever it might be, is that it, it helps create an identity that the person feels good about. Uh, in particular, the person feels proud of, right? Because like, pride is where the person you are meets the person you want to be, right? If there's something about you that it's both something you feel is true and it, it's really what you want to be true, that's what you feel proud of. And, and for a lot of people, uh, their pickup truck helps project that image to other people, both who they think they really are and, you know, the kind of person they want to be. 
that's uh that sounds that sounds like a whole class in itself somewhere you know to be able to, oh, yeah. to be able to figure that <laughs> figure that part out um one of the one of the interesting and somewhat comical to me uh parts of the survey i saw was um when you asked what people would give up versus giving up their truck that's hysterical i mean this i i was really floored by some of these answers so uh Eighty-two percent said they would give up their streaming, you know, online streaming services before their truck. Um, but it goes from there. Seventy-nine uh, percent they'd give up alcohol. Interestingly, seventy-one percent they'd drink, uh, give up drinking coffee. So people, more people would dr- give up alcohol than would give up coffee, which is an interesting mm. choice there. Um, the one that, for me, completely floored me um, is uh, that forty-seven percent said that they would give up their cell phone before they would give up their truck. Uh, I've done research uh, recently, uh, some major studies on cell phone use, among, at least among young people. And that cell phone, that's a part of their body. I mean, you, you get a, a person, a younger person today, giving up their cell phone, that's an amputation for them. So the, I, the idea that people would give up their cell phone before they give up their truck is really surprising. And then the one that, that is certainly the most... Uh, comical that 38 percent of the respondents said that they would give up sex for a year rather than give up their truck so that was amazing too yeah that that was pretty interesting going back to the cell phone one i think some of the studies show that when you you know when you touch your screen on your cell phone or you like you know something on facebook or or like or someone likes something that you did mm-hmm. uh there's an endorphin that fires off in your brain that makes you happy um uh, do, do you think the same thing happens when you get into your truck? That's really interesting. You know, I never really thought about it that way, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, if you depending on the situation, yeah. And and I do know that there's really some wild research that was done, uh, not by me, but a couple of, couple of years ago, that looked at people with vehicles that they really loved. So if, if you are the kind of person uh, who loves trucks and you are shown a, an attractive truck, you will literally, your mouth will water, you literally start <laughs> salivating uh, when you see this truck, which is hysterical because, you know, it makes sense biologically that we salivate for food because, you know, it helps us chew yeah, and digest yeah. the food. But there's, there's no reason to salivate for a truck, except from here, I'm going to get a little nerdy science it, it actually makes sense in terms of evolution, because trucks are new, right? We, yep. we have all these things in our world that are new, and our biological body, our system, hasn't had time to adapt to them. So we have to take things that we already have, like a, you know, hunger mm. for food, and we have to sort of say, well, how can I retrofit this so that it will also you know, work for these other new things that we didn't used to have? And so you get these weird kind of effects like people salivating over a sports car or a truck because their their brain is thinking, well, you know, this is kind of like food. Uh, you know, I'll make the person hungry for this vehicle. Hmm. hmm. Do you do you think do you think a a, a brand new F one fifty pickup truck can make an unhappy person happy? No. No. They're still, uh, they're still going to be unhappy, right? This thing is unhappy. Yeah. And this, there's, there's also a lot of research on this. Um, 
people who try to cure their unhappiness with purchases fail. And it's just the, buying stuff is, is bad. You know, people talk about this phrase, retail therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, retail therapy is malpractice. <laughs> it, 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 you know, if you're unhappy, probably, you know, there's, there's causes for that, and you should look into them. Um, one of the things that uh, makes people now very unhappy is loneliness. Um, it's sort of an epidemic of loneliness, and you don't cure loneliness by buying a, a, a product of any kind. You cure that by, you know, spending time with other people. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, that, that doesn't work. So when you see somebody in their new pickup truck and they're driving down the road and they have a big grin and they look happy, um, they're happy because of other things in their life that includes their truck. I think that's fair. Um, you know, and, and the truck may facilitate some of these things. I mean, that's why people love uh, products in general, um, largely because the product either helps express something about their own identity or it helps connect them to other people. And that's really what makes us happy um, is building strong, positive connections to other people. So if the products that we have can play some sort of a role in that, then that's great and, and they'll facilitate that. But at the end of the day, it's really those relationships with the other people that are making us happy, um, not the, the product, whatever it is. Well, who knew on the Car Doctor radio show that we would we would delve into a little bit of psychology and the ownership of a truck? This is this is fascinating. So, and well, thank and, you. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, to be able to look at this and to look at you know to look at that attachment of how people like truly truly kind of look at that vehicle as as a, as a relationship uh like you said similar to pets and and other things and and you brought up a really good point about the more useful that vehicle is the more it's in their lives the more that they're going to become attached to it so that same vehicle that may take trips to the home improvement store on the weekends that commutes in and out of work during the week and is able to carry a canoe in the back sometimes and golf clubs other times uh, really really becomes that connection to the person that's, that owns it. Yeah, it becomes, it really, you get that connection. And um, it's, you know, it's part of it is just the instrumental usefulness of the thing. That, that's, you know, an important issue. But it really, if it's touching your life in so many ways at so much of the time, and assuming those are positive contacts, it's not, you know, a problem a lot of the time, uh, that really builds a relationship. Um, yeah. That and, and the connection it provides to other people. Uh, that's where it comes from. So, so the old rule of when, um, when you borrowed someone's truck to go do an to go do an errand, and you should bring it back clean and washed. It's probably more important now that you know how know about the relationship that that person had with their truck to start off with. Yeah, um, that absolutely. You know, I don't know why this, this example just sort of popped into my head. It's not about trucks, but I interviewed a woman once, and uh, she was, said that she was annoyed with one of her friends when the friend complimented her on uh, some antique furniture that she had, 
and said that it was, you know, like this antique furniture the, the friend had seen at, uh, for sale somewhere. And I was like, well, why, you know, curious, why was this annoying to you? Mm-hmm. It sounds like a compliment. And, and she said, well, that furniture, it's, you know, part of my family. It's been with my family for, you know, 120 years. It's a, a, an heirloom. It means so much more to me uh, than just a piece of furniture. And this, you know, person didn't get that. They, they thought it was just a piece of furniture, even though it was a nice piece of furniture. And I think that, you know, if you, you borrow someone's truck, uh, it's not just a, a vehicle for them a lot of the time. Um, and, yeah, giving a, a cleaning before it comes back shows that you, know, you took good care of it, that you cared about it, the, perhaps the, the way that they did. Well, I've never heard the expression "brand love" before until today, and I've uh, I've learned I've learned something new. Is there a place that people can find out more information about brand love? Or uh, I I see here that you're also working on a working on a, a brand coolness book, right? Well, um, first of all, I do want to give a, a shout out to um, Laura Oswald, who's uh, a researcher with uh, marketing semiotics and a colleague of mine, Professor Rajiv Batra, um, they did this analysis with me, and so they're not on the phone today, but I want to make sure that their names get out there. Um, if you want to know more about this, uh, the website is, uh, always one word, The Things We Love. So just go to one word, thethingsweelove.com, and uh, you can download papers there. If you want to take a little personality test where you write in, you know, your truck or your ring or your dishwasher or whatever it is, <laughs> you write in something and then you can take a love quiz and they'll tell you how much you love it. Um, so it's all on the website. Perfect. Aaron, I want to thank you for taking time out of your Saturday and I want to wish you a uh, uh, happy and safe 4th of July as well. Absolutely. This has been a great experience and uh, thanks for the opportunity. All right. Thank you. Until next weekend, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, wash your hands, and have a happy and safe July 4th weekend.